0: Okay, well, thank you very much. Um, as, as the whole nation found out, uh, when, when the hurricanes in 04 and 05 hit, uh, a, a new predator on bridges was, was, uh, was discovered, and which was wave forces. And when Florida lost our I-10 bridge over Escambia Bay in 04, it was a tragedy for Florida. It hurt the Gulf Coast. <coughs> uh, but when Hurricane Katrina hit in 05, and much, many more bridges were lost. It became a national is- issue, and the FHWA and Ashto put together a joint task force uh, of, of really exceptional engineers, uh, ex- excellent coastal and structural engineers, as well as an excellent structural and, and coastal contractor. Uh, and as you know, uh, this is this is all too familiar of a site. Uh, I especially like the picture in the upper left that shows. Scambia Bay, and the water was still up, even though the hurricane had passed several hours er earlier. The other pictures are from Hurricane Katrina. The initial work on the task force is finished. As Mal said, there was the guide spec that was passed, uh, I guess, was it June? May. May, close. Uh, In May. Uh, A lot of work went into that. Uh, It's expected that, like with any initial work, there's going to be refinements and improvements. One of the decisions that we made on the task force was to devote more time into refining the prediction of the forces rather than the effectiveness of countermeasures. Uh, how many state DOT folks do we have here other than Florida? Okay, there's some. Uh, there was kind of a hysteria after um, Katrina where people started drilling holes and bridge decks and all sorts of stuff right now. Yeah. I heard that happened up the near turf I stopped good good and, um, and and really that was just a political reaction that wasn't necessarily good engineering. Uh, I, I hope we're beyond that we shall see. Oh by the way that's a that's a picture of, of um, uh, our i-10 bridge that's a that's dr. Shepard there looking saying I can't believe this thing broke. Uh, I'm, I'm further up there. Okay. Um, waves wave force is one oh one. Um a, a typical wave when it hits a, a horizontal structure, um, you you have a regular what we call a, a quasi-static force, and then you have this this sudden, quick but powerful what we what we've denoted as a slamming force, and then the rest of the wave goes by. If you've ever been on a dock uh, and bulk, and a, a boat comes by and, and the weight comes in, you hear, slap, 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 slap. Right? You hear that? Uh, that's the slamming force. Uh, not very impressive on a little dock, but when you have a 12-foot wave hitting a bridge, it, it gets kind of impressive. Um, this force is a monster. Uh, the only thing that helps us is that it's quick, and with the inertia of the bridge, uh, it, it tends to, uh, we, we think, it, it, that, that, that the bridge uh, largely ignores it. We'll see some more data on that later. Okay, let me explain this slide. Um, the blue is the location of damage spans. This is from the I-10 bridge over Escambia Bay. And down here, you can see location of damage spans. The gray line is the vertical force, the quasi-static, not the slamming, but the vertical force um, with, without any air entrapment, i.e. reducing the buoyancy of the structure. And if you abs- assume a larger amount of air entrapment, you can see the forces, the vertical forces that result. Um, in the video in a little bit, we'll see that this is a reasonable assumption. That, that there's a, uh, a fair amount of air that's, that's entrapped. And here you can see the, the resistive forces uh, that are inherent in, in the bridge. Largely the weight and the tie down. And, and this is, um, this is a plot of the procedure that was in, in the, uh, in the guide spec where we ground truthed it against what actually happened out on Escambia Bay Bridge. And as you can see, it did pretty well. If you look at a significant air entrapment, you would expect the damage to be in the area where the vertical forces exceeded the resistive capacity, which is exactly what you see here. Okay, that, that worked out uh, pretty well. Now, if you look at the total vertical force, including the slamming force, uh, now we get forces up here. And and if you think through this logically, if this is our force and this is our resistive force, we would expect damage to be happening all in this area, and it somewhat did, but over here, you would expect to see a lot of damage over in this area of the bridge, and that's not what happened. And that's part of the reason we think that the, the quickness of that slamming force uh, does not allow time for that force to overcome the inertia of the bridge. If we look at the horizontal forces, note that, that the actual force is significantly below the resistive capacity. This is consistent with the damage that we saw out on those bridges um, the further out you went on the bridge, it was more and more offset. It, it, was, it was almost you could almost draw a straight line where you go out, it was over a little bit, go out over a little more, out a little more, and then eventually in not drink. Um, and so, and so it was it was apparent that the the vertical force was was reducing the the apparent weight of the bridge, and then and then the horizontal force was inching it over as as waves hit it. Uh, pretty obvious looking at the forensics we're we're still doing tests in the UF wave tank even though the guide spec contained a lot of a lot of the UF work uh there's still work going on there and uh it involves a, a frame this was a this was a problem let's see there's my cursor hmm. oh here we go um, there's load cells attached to this frame it was a real problem getting this thing rigid enough when the waves would hit this the whole thing would sink and, and you would get artificial readings so we had quite a time overcoming that and now the magical moment of the video uh, I want you to note that that as the wave comes up you're going to see it slap the underside here in this area but look at the water surface in between the girders I hope Notice the height of the water, the height of the wave getting up here, but look what's happening in here. I'll give you one more shot at that. Look at the water elevation in here compared to out here. The air is not going anywhere. That's not good news. Now what we're also doing is uh, we're going to pull every other girder. Um, those of you familiar with bridge design know know that the the, uh, the uh, relative size of this isn't right. Those bridges, those girders are typically not that close. So we're going to pull every other girder and see what what difference that makes as far as air entrapment. But uh, that extra air trapped in there does two things. Number one, obvious buoyancy force. Number two, it tends to mitigate by its by the compression of that of that air air space. Um, it tends to mitigate some of that slamming force. Okay, it, it, acts, it acts almost like a spring, compressing and decompressing. Very interesting. You mean exacerbate, don't you? Pardon me? You mean exacerbate, right? That's, a, how many, that's too many syllables. <laughs> Makes worse. Exacerbate. Makes worse. Okay, there we go. Well, it actually softens the slamming force. Oh, okay. It mitigates. Uh, you mit- mitigates the slamming force. I like those big words, don't you? Okay. <laughs> Um, this is an example of some of the test results. Um, notice that, that there's a fair amount of noise uh, going on. You can see the slamming force. This is on a flat slab. But notice what happens when you have girders. You have a multitude of slamming forces as that wave moves under each of the voids. Very interesting. So you, so you have this 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 uh, machine gun effect, you know, of the slamming force going through. Okay, we're looking at our existing bridges as well, and uh, we're looking at Tampa and the Keys, which are intuitively our most difficult areas. Um, The way we're approaching this is to do um, historical hindcasts of of the hurricanes that that have happened over the last, I think, 154 years. Uh, You take wind and pressure fields over time and space, and uh, with a program called ADSERC, you can move the surge through and predict Uh, both uh, surge and wind setup, and you can also use other programs with those same inputs to to get a wave model, to get uh, historical waves. When this is done, uh, is Robert Robertson in here? I guess not. Uh, When this is done, we'll look at this and see if we think we need to have an assessment of statewide bridge vulnerability. Um, We're not pulling the panic button, we're not pushing the panic button yet, Um, and we know we're gonna have to look at the keys uh, there's a 30-inch water main, I believe, going down the Keys. Very serious if we lose one of those bridges. And and we know that the conchs will not evacuate, so uh, so we know we have an issue there. For instance, this is um, a storm from 1852, and uh, you can see its path. Now, those of you that understand hurricanes know that this thing is turning in a counterclockwise fashion, and you can see what that would do to Tampa Bay. Right, it's going to tend to drive water in, not just the effect of the surge, but the wind shear on the on the on the water surface. Uh, from that uh, analysis, uh, you may let's, see, let's go back one. No, it's okay. We'll just go forward. Um, if you can see it, there are two locations. One is here in the intercoastal. The other here is in the back of the bay. And notice that for the dotted inter, intercoastal, uh, uh, there's there's not a a, I mean there is some difference. You can see the the blue to the blue, uh, but look at the difference between the dashed green and the large green. What that is is wind setup. And and I wanted to show this to you, coastal states. Be be very careful of thinking that you've got a good hurricane analysis going on if you don't include wind setup. Uh, this is the surge only in that location, and you can see it's fairly level. This is simply the result of the, the decrease in atmospheric pressure and other shoaling effects. But here's the actual total water elevation, and this difference here, 6 to 12, is largely resu- largely the result of wind setup within the bay. Remember, the, st- the storm is is going like this, and it's driving the water. It's stacking the water up in the bay. So be careful to include that. Uh, wave forces are very sensitive to the location of the bridge within the wave column. And if and if you miss it by a few feet, you've missed your forces significantly. So that's that's my free warning for you guys. Um, here's some maximum wave crest elevations. Uh, notice again this this large larger waves out here. Isn't aren't we fortunate that these big waves break before they get to shore? These 25 footers out here. Okay, so at this point we're looking to the, our Tampa Bay study to refine our probabilities and glad Pepe's here, uh, our host, uh, for, for the Tampa area. Uh, we're doing a, a, a hindcast in the Tampa area which I showed you previously, um, and we hope to, to refine, refine the probabilities um, one of the things that we knows, notice, and, and all of us as state engineers know have been through this, if we do just a little bit of analysis, in this case coastal engineering analysis, we pay in the long run. On the x-axis here is the cost of coastal engineering analysis, like what we're doing with hindcasting. On the y-axis is the cost of structural analysis. Well, if we would have stopped at phase two, um, we would have had so many bridge- bridges Vulnerable that weren't really vulnerable. Uh, we would have been faced with such unreality because of our lack of refinement in our coastal engineering work that we couldn't have lived with it. Uh, we couldn't have lived with the public outcry. You mean all these bridges are vulnerable. Um, uh, we, we couldn't have retrofitted it. And so it behooved us to go to a, a third phase, a more, a more rigorous coastal engineering analysis. And by comparing these two phases, we hope to come up with load factors um, which can be pulled in nationally to where you won't have to do a, a, a three-phase approach in every location. Future research is desperately needed. It might not be done by us. Um, there's there's different cross sections, uh, bridge skews. Um, certainly, the the nice clean wave that you saw come and hit hit the uh, hit hit the bridge. That's not what you see in nature. It's a very confused sea state. Uh, the waves are often coming at a skew and, and they're extremely irregular. Uh, so there's just a number of things that are yet to be resolved. Uh, and, but our work will become available shortly as far as those load factors. And hopefully that will add, uh, further help to, uh, to what's currently in the code.